collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style from a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops and to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. All right, we are in our place. Thanking you so much, as we always do at the beginning of the program, for joining with us and for making the Bible Live the successful program that it's been here in South Texas, here in San Antonio. Thank you so much for valuing this great book, the Book of Books, and for valuing this time that we can spend together making our way through the Bible each and every year. We finished this amazing story of Esther last night, and so now we are alternating back to the New Testament. We have already read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and now we come to the books of First and Second Corinthians. There were actually four letters that Paul wrote to the people of Corinth, to the church that he had helped to establish there. We have two of them that survived, and we can read his words to them. Now, it's written approximately A.D. 55, one of the earlier letters written near the end of Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus during his third missionary journey. So just not far off from the opening events of the New Testament, the life of Messiah himself. Paul actually mentions in the book of Corinthians that so many of the people he's writing to, many of them were alive during those definitive events of the life and ministry of Jesus, the Messiah, his death, his resurrection, and the early preaching of the message of the gospel. So we'll pick up in 1 Corinthians. I'll give you a little bit of a heads up on that. But overall, in general, what we're seeing as we read all of these books in the, the Bible, it's the story of God's redemptive plan, and it's the story of two peoples, those who love God and honor God and seek God, and those who do not. And, of course, the great majority being those who do not. But the, the interaction between them in this world where good and evil exist, coexist, that's the story of the Bible. Right now, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. We're moving also from the Psalms now. We'll move over into the Proverbs. We're going to pick up at Proverbs chapter 19, these nuggets of wisdom written from a God-centered worldview. Proverbs 19. 
1 through 14. It is better to be poor and honest than to be a fool and dishonest. Zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Wealth makes many friends. Poverty drives them away. A false witness will not go unpunished, nor will a liar escape. Many beg favors from a prince. Everyone is the friend of a person who gives gifts. If the relatives of the poor despise them, how much more will their friends avoid them? The poor call after them, but they are gone. To acquire wisdom is to love oneself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. A false witness will not go unpunished, and a liar will be destroyed. It isn't right for a fool to live in luxury, or for a slave to rule over princes. People with good sense restrain their anger. They earn esteem by overlooking wrongs. The king's anger is like a lion's roar, but his favor is like dew on the grass. A foolish child is a calamity to a father. A nagging wife annoys like a constant dripping. Parents can provide their sons with an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. End of reading, Proverbs 19, 1-14. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Yes, we've seen great miracles. We've seen wonderful things in our lives. We've seen lives transformed and addictions taken away. We've seen wrongs made right. We've seen relationships healed. No end to the stories of new life. But again, that brings us back to the story of the Bible. There are two explanations for human existence on planet Earth. We have the Bible telling us how things began about the Creator God, what this God is like. God reveals Himself to us, His values, His purposes for our existence here on this Earth and promises how things will be beyond this life, either through the portal of death or through His return bringing history to a close. So we've got that worldview, the biblical worldview, and then we've got all these other worldviews, all these other explanations that are not God-centered at all, but man-centered. What we think, what we want, what we desire. And even from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, there was this terrible division between the people of God, those who love God, long for God, desire God, aspire to know God and to walk with God and to please God and to honor God in our lives, and those who simply do not. All through the Bible now we're seeing the clash of these two peoples, these two races, in fact, because those who are in Christ are new creations. We're going to be shown that in the book of Corinthians. If any man be in Christ, he has become a new creation. We are born from above, changed from within, bearing now a new nature with the values and lifestyles that confront the godless world around us and clash with accepted morals of a godless world. True believers don't blend in very well. That's what we're going to see in the Christians in Corinth now. They were struggling with their environment, just as we do today in in our increasingly secular society here in America. They were surrounded by corruption and every conceivable kind of sin, and they felt pressure to adapt to it. They knew they were free in Christ, but what does freedom mean? 
How should they view idols or their own sexuality? What should they do about marriage, about women in the church, the gifts of the Spirit functioning within the church? These were more than theoretical questions for them. The church was being undermined by immorality and spiritual immaturity, just as it is today. There was so much fake, so much fraud. There was so much untruth. Who should they believe? What should they believe? Well, Paul tries to help clear that up in the books of First and Second Corinthians on The Bible Life. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 5, 8. 1 Corinthians 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. We are writing to the church of God in Corinth, you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did all Christians everywhere. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and theirs, May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you His grace and peace. I can never stop thanking God for all the generous gifts He has given you, now that you belong to Christ Jesus. He has enriched your church with gifts of eloquence and every kind of knowledge. This shows that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong right up to the end and he will keep you free from all blame on the great day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will surely do this for you, for he always does just what he says, and he is the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to stop arguing among yourselves. Let there be real harmony so there won't be divisions in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your arguments, dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Can Christ be divided into pieces? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speeches and high-sounding ideas, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made them all look foolish and has shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save all who believe. God's way seems foolish to the Jews because they want a sign from heaven to prove it is true. And it is foolish to the Greeks because they believe only what agrees with their own wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is far stronger than the greatest of human strength. 
Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose those who are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important, so that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. He is the one who made us acceptable to God. He made us pure and holy, and He gave Himself to purchase our freedom. As the Scriptures say, the person who wishes to boast should boast only of what the Lord has done. 1 Corinthians 2 Dear brothers and sisters, when I first came to you, I didn't use lofty words and brilliant ideas to tell you God's message, for I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches, but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Yet when I am among mature Christians, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world, and not the kind that appeals to the rulers of this world, who are being brought to nothing. No, the wisdom we speak of is the secret wisdom of God, which was hidden in former times, though He made it for our benefit before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would never have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by His Spirit, and His Spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And God has actually given us His Spirit not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. We who have the Spirit understand these things. But others can't understand us at all. How could they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give Him counsel? But we can understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Corinthians 3 Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your own desires? You are acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I prefer Apollos, aren't you acting like those who are not Christians? Who is Apollos? And who is Paul that we should be the cause of such quarrels? Why, we're only servants. Through us, God caused you to believe. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. 
But it was God, not we, who made it grow. The ones who do the planting or watering aren't important. But God is important because He is the one who makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose. Yet they will be rewarded individually according to their own hard work. We work together as partners who belong to God. You are God's field, God's building, not ours. Because of God's special favor to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Now anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But there is going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will bring ruin upon anyone who ruins this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you Christians are that temple. Stop fooling yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you will have to become a fool so you can become wise by God's standards. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, God catches those who think they are wise in their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are worthless. So don't take pride in following a particular leader. Everything belongs to you, Paul and Apollos and Peter, the whole world and life and death, the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Corinthians 4. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ, who have been put in charge of explaining God's secrets. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. What about me? Have I been faithful? Well, it matters very little what you or anyone else thinks. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that isn't what matters. It is the Lord Himself who will examine me and decide. So be careful not to jump to conclusions before the Lord returns as to whether or not someone is faithful. When the Lord comes, He will bring our deepest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. And then God will give to everyone whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to the scriptures, you won't brag about one of your leaders at the expense of another. What makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? You think you already have everything you need. You are already rich. Without us, you have become kings. I wish you really were on your thrones already, for then we would be reigning with you. But sometimes I think God has put us apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you are so wise. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are well thought of, but we are laughed at. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty, 
without enough clothes to keep us warm. We have endured many beatings, and we have no homes of our own. We have worked wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We respond gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I ask you to follow my example and do as I do. That is the very reason I am sending Timothy, to help you do this. For he is my beloved and trustworthy child in the Lord. He will remind you of what I teach about Christ Jesus in all the churches wherever I go. I know that some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will never visit you again. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord will let me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people are just big talkers or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just fancy talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with punishment and scolding, or should I come with quiet love and gentleness? 1 Corinthians 5 I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something so evil that even the pagans don't do it. I am told that you have a man in your church who is living in sin with his father's wife. And you are so proud of yourselves. Why aren't you mourning in sorrow and shame? And why haven't you removed this man from your fellowship? Even though I am not there with you in person, I am with you in spirit. Concerning the one who has done this, I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus. You are to call a meeting of the church, and I will be there in spirit. And the power of the Lord Jesus will be with you as you meet. Then you must cast this man out of the church and into Satan's hands, so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved when the Lord returns. How terrible that you should boast about your spirituality, and yet you let this sort of thing go on. Don't you realize that if even one person is allowed to go on sinning, soon all will be affected. Remove this wicked person from among you so that you can stay pure. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not by eating the old bread of wickedness and evil, but by eating the new bread of purity and truth. End of reading 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 5 eight. hearing this passage tonight exactly the way the people of Corinth heard it, the people of the surrounding churches. This was intended to be read as it was to surrounding congregation and groups of believers. So we are hearing this book just as the people of the first century heard it, read to them aloud, and then, of course, people having questions and having conversation and prayer over and around these ideas, these truths that Paul is writing to them. We too live in a culture that is extremely divided. That is what Paul is talking about here now. These people in Corinth, they are surrounded by a world totally opposite of their values. 
Corinth was destroyed 146 years before Christ. It was rebuilt by Julius Caesar in 46 B.C. That's 100 years later. And it became a hugely wealthy seaport, but hugely corrupt and immoral. Archaeology has proven this to be true. Bars and houses of ill repute, temples for two or three of the leading pagan gods and goddesses, over a thousand temple prostitutes. But in that city, there were those who perhaps because of the darkness and the bleakness of their lives in sin, they came to God. They sought God and found him through the message of Jesus the Messiah, who had come to pay the penalty of their sin and offer forgiveness and cleansing and the power to live as they ought. And a church was born. Now Paul is writing to them and saying, there's a natural world out there. There are natural men and women. They don't know about the Spirit. They don't have the Spirit. They only understand and interpret our lives from the perspective of earthly understanding. They cannot possibly understand the things of God. A godly perspective seeks righteousness and goodness and love and mutual respect and seeks most of all to honor and obey God. He says there's a natural There's a spiritual, he said, but the most terrible thing is that there are spiritual men and women who live as if they're natural. That was the real tragedy of Corinth. There were people who had been born again, but who were living worldly, carnal, fleshly lives as if God didn't exist and wasn't there. Some of them may not have been real believers, but some of them were, and Paul is calling them to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you're listening, America. (laughs) Wouldn't it be wonderful if this message could be on radio stations all across this nation. Homes and families and individuals can hear the very Word of God, the very words of the Bible. These words are so clear, so true. Paul is telling us we must walk by faith in God's redemptive plan. Faith in the shed blood of Jesus the Messiah and faith in the awesome power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that brought him out of the tomb, the Holy Spirit of God, who now lives within us. True saving faith always produces obedience and good works and motivates us to do what God wants us to do. But we're trying to do obedience without the motivation of faith. Sophie Dollar, Sophie Reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.